the time. We are going to get into the Word now, and we are starting this week with some small groups, and um, we're doing the um, Rick Warren's uh, series of called Transformed, and so um, they're going to start this week. So if you have not signed up for a small group and you are interested in being a part of one, please let me know today. Um, before the end of the service, and I will fit you into a group. Um, it's very exciting. Our groups are actually a little bit, they're, they're larger than what I anticipated, but that's a good problem because it means that more and more people are involved, which is super exciting. I'm super, super excited. Um, so if you are, you know, by the end of the day, you're like, you know what, I think I want to give this small group thing a try, then let me know, and I'll plug you in right away and get the leader to contact you, and, and we'll do that. So... Um, we're doing transformed, and so as a church together on Sunday mornings, we are also going to take Sunday mornings to just go over um, what we are learning in the small groups through the course of the week. So it, the whole idea is is that through this next seven weeks, that we really just are joined together um, as a family of God, as a congregation, all kind of taking the same. Um, lessons and just really learning from them. And, and what I loved about this series is it's challenging us in some very practical, awesome ways in our spiritual life. So the, the, it's seven weeks and the, the titles, so to say, or the topics of each week for the next seven weeks is um, today we're going to talk about our spiritual health. Then next week, this one's a painful one, Next week, we're going to talk about our physical health. Everybody's like, boo. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about our mental health, our emotional health, relational health, financial health, and our vocational health. So these are practical things that we do on an everyday basis. But as Christians, as believers, we need to incorporate them biblically into our lives. So that is what we're going to be talking about in the next seven weeks. And I am super excited um, to go this journey with you. So I encourage you, I'm going to keep plugging. Please, please, if you have not put yourself into a group, please, please talk to me today. By the way, I am going on holidays starting um, 1.30 this afternoon. <laughs> So uh, make sure you do connect with me before the end of the day so that I can get that for you. Pastor Vanessa is going to be preaching next Sunday, which I'm super excited about. This is the first time. Yeah. She, uh, yes, give her a hand. She, uh, she spoke at our uh, Hilltoppers, a couple, well, I guess last month. So we'll get to hear together all as a, as a congregation. So today we're going to talk about spiritual health. So to be healthy spiritually, we need to be in God's word. That's what, what really, truly helps us, obviously, is the word of God. And we need to be healthy body, soul, and spirit. So everything about us needs to be focused on the Lord in every aspect of our lives. To be spiritually healthy, it needs to line up with the word. And we need to literally be consumed by Jesus Christ. So as we go through this series, you're going to see different things that, that we find in the Word 
that, that God gives us maybe some instructions of things to do, but on every instruction comes then with it a promise. So for instance, the word tells us if we confess our sins, he will forgive our sin. Uh, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and then he will direct your path. So every time in the word that we hear kind of like some kind of direction or instruction from the Lord, it comes with a promise. Because God isn't just this dictator that tells you, you have to do this, and I want you to do that, and I want you to be like this, and act like this, and be... Whenever he tells us something, it's for the goodness of us. It's for our blessing, because he, wants, he loves us so much. He wants us to be blessed, and he wants to give us a promise. So with everything, like when we say, if you will confess your sins... If you will acknowledge that you have sin in your life and you confess it to Jesus, he will forgive you. There's the promise, okay? In all ways um, that we acknowledge him, when we acknowledge God, he will then direct our paths, okay? So the next seven weeks we're going to teach about how to live in those promises of God. How can we live in those promises and then receive the blessing and then in turn have spiritual health in that? So today we're going to talk about seven ways to improve your spiritual health. And there's a lot of scriptures, so if you're taking notes, um, or if you're not, you might want to, just to kind of go over this through um, the course of the week, just to kind of remind yourself. So seven habits that you can do to improve your spiritual health. And honestly, this is like basic 101 Christianity. And we can, we can look at this, and all of you are going to be like, yeah, I know that, yeah, I know that, yeah, I know that. But there's a difference between having head knowledge and having heart knowledge. Because we can say, yes, I come to church, yes, I do this, yes, yes, I know that that's what I'm supposed to do. But do we do it? And for some of you, you will say, yes, I do all of those seven things. And I say to you, yay, that's amazing. But there's always room for improvement, right? We never become perfect, we never arrive, we never are all together until we get to heaven. There's always room to grow. There's always room to, to expand ourselves. So, number one, to be spiritually healthy, I must love Jesus supremely. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 10. We need to love Jesus supremely. So what does that mean? Matthew 10, verse 37 to 39. Anyone who loves their father or their mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or their daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. We need to learn to love Jesus more than anything. And again, it is easy for us to say, Jesus, I love you more than anything. Jesus, I will never leave you. Where have we heard that before? When Peter, when Jesus was about to be crucified, prior to that, we heard Peter who would say, Jesus, I will never deny you. 
I love you so much. I will be there for you. I'll go to bat for you. I'll fight for you. But he denied Jesus three times. When it came down to the moment of crisis, when it came down to a difficult moment. Now, I'm not, I'm not you know, condemning Peter, because you know what? We have probably all done the same thing at some point in time in our lives. We can say with our words and our mouth that we love Jesus and we, we will do anything for him. And then Jesus says, oh, okay, then I want you to go do this. And you're like, yeah, no, that doesn't work for me. Uh, no, I'll do this. No, I want you, no, I'll do that. No, I want you to go, no. Do we love Jesus more than anything? Is Jesus, you know, when you talk about the list of who you love, you know, who's your favorite, whatever, is Jesus on the top of the list? God first, and then everything else. We need to love him 100%. So spiritual health is measured by how much we love. Not how much we know, not our skills, not our words, not how often we attend church. It's how much do we love God. Let's turn to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verses 29 to 30. The most important one, so Jesus was questioned, what's the most important commandment? And so this is his response. The most important one answer, Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandments greater than these. So to love God is basically we are worshiping God. When we love God, we are worshiping him. When we love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, with every ounce of, there is nothing that comes before him. He is priority number one to us. When we have to make a choice in life, we automatically first think, what will God want? When we have to make a, some kind of a decision, when we have to do something, when we think about people in our lives, who is number one in our focus? What's the first one that comes to our mind? When we love God, we will worship him. So whatever we love most is what we worship. So what do we love most? Again, this is kind of like self-check for all of us here. What do we love most? When we think about what is the most important thing in my life, my house is on fire, what's the first thing that comes to my mind? Money, job, prestige, TV, computer, games, What's priorities in your life? If you had everything stripped away and you could only have one thing, what would it be? Would you be, okay, as long as I have my relationship with the Lord, I'm good. That will show how much we love him. We have to love Jesus the absolute most. He has to be number one. This is kind of like the foundation of spiritual health, is we need to love Jesus and can be consumed by our love for him. 
Number two, we must need to meet with Jesus every day. Every day we need to meet with Jesus. Well, I'm pretty busy, you know. I understand. Everybody's busy. We all have those words come off of our tongue pretty quickly. I'm so busy. But imagine if Jesus was standing here physically. Like literally with skin on right here. Would we ever dare to say to him face to face, I'm busy. <laughs> Probably not. So just because we can't see him with our eyes doesn't mean he isn't here with us. He wants us to spend time with him every single day. I'm not saying that you have to spend an hour or two hours or three hours. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not even telling you how to do it. Because it will look different for everybody. I'm saying spend time with him. Talk to him through the day. My best time in the morning is getting up early and walking my dog. And I'm walking, and that's my conversation time with the Lord. Yes, I talk to him throughout the day. But that's my morning. Get up in the morning and have that walk. And I walk with Jesus. We go together and my dog. <laughs> we need to spend time with him every single day. Proverbs 8, verse 34. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. When we spend time with God in his presence, it says, blessed are those. It's not a mandate to be like, you have to do this. You're not a Christian if you don't do this. That's not the mandate of it. It's, it should be a desire that we love Jesus so much that we want to be in his presence. And when we do that, we are blessed. When you love somebody, don't you just want to be around them all the time? We should want to spend time with the Lord. And when we do, blessings will come. Blessed is the man who meets with God daily. Number three, I must study and do his word. And, and this is an interesting one because, because we, can, we can have all kinds of knowledge of the Bible. We can like rhyme off scripture. We can have it you know, memorized front to back. Just, you know, oh, so-and-so verse. Okay, yeah, I got that one. I know it. Like it can just roll off of our tongues. But if we don't do it, if we don't act out what the word says, then, then it's empty. It doesn't matter. You, you could go ahead and just memorize any other book. It, it, will, it means the same. Unless you do it. So turn to Psalm chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Or stand in the way that the sinners take. Or sit in the company of mockers. But who delight in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted in the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. 
What's the promise? What's the promise? Prosper. When we spend time in the Word, and when we do what the Word of God says, there's the instructions. When we do it, we will prosper. We will have fruit that grows in season. We'll be like a tree planted in streams of water. That means that there's constant life coming into us. Streams of water. The plant is, the, the tree is planted right in there. So it's never like my plants at home that are so dry. They're like, water, water, please, water. As I walk by with my cup of water, please get me some of that. <laughs> okay? It's not like that. When we are in the word and when we do the word, we're like a tree that is planted in the water. We will be blessed. We will be more productive. We will have deep roots. And then in times of trouble, we will stay strong. When our roots are down in the ground so deep, no matter what winds come, no matter what trials come, we will be able to stand firm because our roots go so deep. God wants to be blessed and he wants to prosper us, but we have to study the word. Number four, spiritual healthy. To be spiritual healthy, we must tithe on our income. This is an ouchy one. Nobody wants to talk about money. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to know about it. They don't want to, let's just pretend it doesn't exist. But we have to decide, does God, do we trust God with our finances? Do we trust God with our money? Do we trust that God will be our provider in every area of our lives? Or do we say, no, that's not possible for God. I can't afford to tithe. When you say, I can't afford to tithe, you are literally telling God, you don't have enough provision for me. The word of God in Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is where you are spiritually fed. That's our church. This is the storehouse right here, is the church. Bring your whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in the house. When you bring the tithe and offering into the church, that enables us to be able to do ministry outside, that there is enough food in the church, so to say, enough finances to keep this building going, enough finances to be able to see the ministry flourish, and through that, we then get to see more and more people come to know the Lord. So enough food in the house. Test me, he says, in this, the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. That's a crazy promise. But it takes an action. Bring the tithe, 10%. You make 100 bucks, you bring a buck. Or 10. Sorry, my math. I looked at Paul, because Paul's smart. Oh, no, that's not Paul. Ah! I don't have my glasses on. Kind of looks like Paul for a second. <laughs> Bring the whole tithe, 10% of your wage, to the storehouse. And then you can bring 
Tithes and offerings. So tithe is your 10%. And offering is what you give over and above. So it's a choice whether you want to give. And many of you guys brought in offerings for the Ukraine. You blew me away at how much you brought in. Offerings can be things like this when you bring in stuff for the Easter community event. Those are offerings that you bring to the Lord. This is over and above these eggs and the chocolate and the, and the money for the Ukraine is over and above what Christ is asking to require from you. 10%. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. But the blessing is incredible. I will throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Wrap it, just, just let that just resonate in your brain for a minute. When you say I can't afford to tie, you, you can't afford to be so full that you won't have enough room to store it in your house? Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking this is pretty good math to me. We need to trust God in this. He says right in the word, test me. Test me. Try it out. It literally makes no sense in your brain. I've, I've heard it time and time and time again from people. Experienced myself. The math makes no sense. Test me. Number five, I must learn to love other believers. That means we have to love each other. We have to love each other, even though we're different. Even though we have different personalities, even though we look different, dress different, have different jobs, different status, different culture, different whatever, we have to learn to love each other. John 13, 34 to 35, a new command I give to you. If you love one another as I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's a crazy thing to the world that we would love each other, that we don't go into work and complain about the people around us, or our coworkers, or people at church, or people on the at work. Uh, sorry, at the grocery store. It's a weird thing to people if we don't complain. The world doesn't get it. If if somebody comes to you and starts complaining about somebody, and you're like, "Well, you know, they're probably a good person," or maybe you know, if you you come up with something positive about it, they will look at you like you have six heads. Because they want you to join on the bandwagon. Oh, I know. They're so rude. That's what they want. But when you don't, and when you turn it into something positive, it is bizarre to them. It doesn't make sense to them. And all of a sudden, you then have just become a representer of Jesus Christ. Because now all of a sudden, the fact that you tell people, or that they just happen to know that you go to church, all of a sudden that, that knowledge just got amped up a little bit. But if you're like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to church, but then on the next hand you're like, oh, did you hear? Then all of a sudden your testimony just went in the garbage. 
But when we love one another, they will know that you are Christ's disciple. We talked about this last week. Unity and community together. I heard so many people comment on how much they loved how we did communion. We're not going to do it every time, but once in a while we will do it again. I've had people ask if we can do it again. We will do it again at some point when, as the Spirit leads. But that's what we need. To, we need to have community. We need to be united together. This church, and I talked about it last week, this church is growing and we're seeing new people coming. People coming back from before. We're growing. And it's lovely to stand at the door and welcome them. Hey, welcome. Is this your first time? Yeah, great. Have a seat. We're so happy that you're here. And then we never acknowledge them again. I love that we're a welcoming church. I love that new people feel welcomed when they come here. But what happens after week two and week three and week four? Oh, I said hello to them. I don't need to do that anymore. No, you do. You do. That's why we're going to have coffee time again after service. Because this is the time that you need to go to somebody that you don't know. Don't stay just in your own group. I love friendships. I'm all about having some close friendships. But can I encourage everybody, when we have coffee, cafe time, that we don't just stand together in a huddle with people that we know and that we're comfortable with. Because we can do that on Monday or Friday. Monday or Saturday. We can hang out with them whenever we want to. But let's consciously look for somebody that we don't know. Go over to them. Be bold. Hey, what's your name? That's the easiest open liner ever. What's your name? Have we met before? Because you know what? Now that we've all taken our masks off, I don't recognize half of you, all right? I'm just being honest. (laughs) Have we met before? Community and unity. Jesus died for each and every one of us. There is nobody here greater than anybody else. We're all the same. And Jesus died for all of us. Let's celebrate that together by getting to know one another. 1 John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister, is a liar. Wow. If you are holding a grudge against somebody, whether they're in this place or they're somewhere out of these doors, if you are holding a grudge against somebody, if you have got unforgiveness in your heart, if you have got negativity in your heart towards somebody, anybody, they are God's creation. And if you have anything against them, but with the same breath say, I love Jesus, this is the word. This is not me. This is the word that says that we are a liar. We are a liar. It's not my words. I'm not, it's not me. I'm not saying it. Take it up with God. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. 
For whoever does not love their brother or sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom you have not seen. We have not seen God. We don't see him physically. We can sense him, we can, we can feel him around us, but we have not seen him physically. And yet we can believe him, and we can love him, and we can worship him, and we can honor him. But we can't look to a person who we can physically see and love them. Now I know, I know that this is asking a huge thing, and I'm going off track here, but I just feel I have to for a moment. I know that people have been hurt by other people. I know that somebody has caused you pain, and you're saying to me right now, under your breath, in your mind, who do you think you are? You don't know what they did to me. I might not know, but God knows. And the word is very plain when it says, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. I hate the thought, if I can be so strong to say, the thought of somebody standing before the Lord who has gone to church for years and years and years, worshipped God, tithed to church, gone to small groups, done it all. But in the bottom of their heart, they have got unforgiveness for somebody and they stand before the Lord thinking this is their entrance into heaven and Jesus says no no you have not forgiven how can I forgive you we've got to forgive and Trust me, I know it's asking a lot. I know it's asking a lot. And I'm not saying that you have to be best buds with whoever has hurt you. But I'm saying you need to deal with your pain. You need to take it up with Jesus. And you need to find a place to forgive them. Because no matter who they are, I don't care who they are, they are still created by God. Their choices that they make may not be choices that are honorable to Jesus, but that's on them. It's not for you to judge. It's for you to love them with Christ's love. To be a disciple, we must love one another. We have to be together. We have to be, we join together in church. Let's learn to love each other. Number six, I must serve others unselfishly. The way to be great is to serve. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve and to give. This is not about us coming and us expecting Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Give me more, give me more. I need more. Feed, feed, feed. And then you go home and leave. That's not what church is about. That's not, that's not, I don't believe that's not what I'm paid for to do to be here. It's not why I'm your pastor. I want to encourage you. I want to bring the word to you. I want to love on you. I want to, I want to do my best that I can as a pastor. But ultimately, 
It's not just so I can fill your tanks spiritually and you can go home and just live your life. It is that you feed, you get fed, you feed yourself by reading the word, and then you serve others. That's why Jesus came. Jesus, the one who is God's son, the one who created this earth, he came to this earth to save, uh, to serve. He washed his disciples' feet. He, there was no job too, too, too uh, you know, disgusting for him, so to say. He would serve. We need to serve. You've heard me talk about spiritual obesity before. We should not be spiritually obese. If you have got so much spiritual knowledge and you are not passing it around to somebody, if you are not serving in some capacity, you are spiritually obese. To be spiritually healthy, we need to serve. Number seven, lastly, I must pass, to be spiritual healthy, I must pass on the good news to tell others. 2 Timothy 2, 2. And the things, this is, this is a cool verse, because when you read it, you see that there's four different passing downs of the baton. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, passing down the baton. And the things, this is Paul talking, and the things you have heard me say, this is Paul who has then spoken into Timothy's life. Okay, so Paul's, God gave the knowledge to, to Paul. Paul is now passing the knowledge on to Timothy. In the presence of many witnesses, so now Timothy is passing it down to the, the witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified then to teach others. So it's a passing on of the baton, okay? We need to pass that baton on. We need to tell people about the good news. We need to share the love of Jesus Christ with other people. Everyone in this room who has given their heart to Jesus, every single person here who has said, you know what, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask you to free me of my sins. Please come into my heart. Every single person in this room that has said that has had somebody who has told them about Jesus. Right now, just think about it. Think about who was the person who brought you to church. Who was the person who kind of made that moment happen that aha moment where you found out about Christ. Was it a parent? You grew up in the church? Was it a friend? Was it a neighbor? Was it a coworker? Who was that person? And then think about who told that person? Who told the person who told you about Jesus? Somebody had to tell them about Jesus. Somebody had to share the gospel to them. Then who told that person? And so on and so on and so on, if we work our way backwards. Who are we now going to tell? Who are we going to tell? Again, coming back to being spiritually obese. If we are not sharing the love of Jesus to other people, if it stops, you found out who Jesus was, and it stops at you. Imagine if not one of you ever, ever told anybody about who Jesus is, ever. Where would this church be in 20 years, 5 years, 10 years? Where, where would it be? It would be dead. It would eventually die off. 
we need to share the love of Jesus with people. Matthew 28, 19, 20. Therefore go, this is referred to as the Great Commission, is what we call it. Therefore go. This is, this is before Jesus was ascended into heaven, after he's, he's died, he's rose again, he spent, you know, 40 days with, with people, and then all of a sudden now he is ascending into heaven. He tells us this, his last words, physically. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus did not just say, hey, here's some great news. Keep it to yourself. It's a secret. Don't tell anybody that I'm dying on the cross for them. Don't tell it's not what he does. He's telling us, go and make disciples of all nations. Every single person that is around you, go and make disciples with them. Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Teach them. Show them. Let them know about the good news. Be a disciple maker. Share your story. There's power in our own stories. Share your story. I challenge you to pray that God lets you bring one person, one person to Christ in the year. One person. Imagine what this room would look like if each and every single one of us through the course of 2022, made an effort. We put names in here a year or two ago. Imagine if every single one of us made the effort and really stuck to it to bring one person to Christ. One. Imagine where our church would be. We need to choose to grow for our spiritual health. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We need to choose to grow for our spiritual health. We need to choose. Everybody say choose. choose. We need to choose. We choose every day what we're, we choose what we're going to wear. We choose what we're going to eat. We choose how we're going to do our hair. We choose, all the guys are like, mm, whatever. Um, you know, we choose. We make so many choices in a day. We need to choose to be spiritual healthy. It is a conscious decision. Jesus isn't going to zap you and you're going to be like, oh, there's the perfect Christian. Uh, uh, uh. This is not how it happens. We need to choose it. We need to want it. We need to decide to not be half-hearted followers of Christ. It starts with our decision to become spiritual healthy. I wonder, Pastor Vanessa, if we can do the last um, awesome melody that you did that was beautiful. Today, I'm going to challenge everybody. I'm going to get you to stand. And this is something, as a church, we do on a regular basis, challenging you in your spirituality. But I really, for these next seven weeks, really want to encourage everybody to make a conscious effort because seven weeks is a whole lot of days, and 21 days is a habit-forming thing. So imagine if we put this to action for the next seven weeks, how strong we will be spiritually. 
Will we choose to love Jesus with our whole heart? Will we choose and decide to meet with Jesus daily? Will we choose to study and do his word? Will we choose to tithe? Will we choose to love others? Will we choose to serve? Will we choose to tell others? I'm going to open up the altars today. And this time it's it's between you and God. We're not we're not going to pray over each other. We're going to come today as a declaration that we're going to choose to walk the life of being spiritually healthy. That's what we're going to do today. When we come forward, we are going to declare, I'm in. I'm all in, Jesus. Guide me, lead me. I want those promises that you give me. When you give me instruction, I want the promises that come with that. Will you choose today? And maybe you're here and you don't know who Jesus is. Or maybe you're here and you just, you know, but you haven't made that commitment to follow him completely. Well, today's your day. Today's your day. We're going to pray afterwards, but I encourage you to come forward if that's you. And just find a place on this altar anywhere. I don't care where. If you want to kneel at the stairs, you want to, I, I don't care where you go. Just step out of your place where you are because it's that stepping out of your comfort chair that makes the declaration to Jesus. So if you want to go off to the side, you go wherever you want to go. But I challenge you to step out of your chair. And go somewhere where you can just meet with Jesus alone. As we sing this this next melody of choruses, and you declare, I choose, I decide, I make the decision today that I will be spiritually healthy. Thank you, worship team.
us. Tonight, prayer, 6.30, Pam will be leading that. Come on out and pray together, meeting in the ministry center back there. God bless.